Welcome to A Teaspoon of Healing, where we explore the pathways to wellness and vibrant living. Listen to personal stories of healing and interviews with experts. It's time to open a doorway to healing in your life through positive changes. Here is your host, Dawn Damari. Hi, I'm Dawn Damari, and you're listening to another episode of A Teaspoon of Healing. Today, my guest is Maria West, trauma deactivator and author. She is the author of the book, Effed Wide Open, The Rude Awakening of the Heart-Based New Humanity. Hi, Maria. Hi, Don. How are you today? I'm really well. Thank you for asking. How are you doing? I'm doing well also. Thank you for asking. Good. I'm happy to be here. So thank you for having me. Of course. And thank you for, for being here and joining me on the podcast. I'm super excited to be here. I'm super excited that that you're here too. Now I found you on Instagram, my teaspoon of healing Instagram, and I like your content. It's, It's very needed today. Besides being an author, you're a trauma deactivator and you help people recover from something that's so prevalent in society right now, narcissistic, sociopathic, psychopathic abuse. Yes. Now- For people who don't know, I mean, a lot of people are familiar with this. So what is narcissistic abuse? I'll take you back to the beginning. So the beginnings of this happened in the 80s. When I was living in San Francisco, I was selling insurance. My clients were mostly very well-to-do attorneys. In the backdrop of this, I started having dreams about this series of healing modalities, which for me was really weird because I was very nuts and bolts. I have a science background and I was also a musician. So to start having these dreams about the auric field and the chakra system and the meridian system and about clusters of beliefs and other realities, I thought I was losing my mind. So while this was going on, I started having conversations with just random people that were associated with my clients about certain kinds of abuse, mostly sexual abuse, which was very interesting to me because at the time in my own personal journey, I was really excavating through therapy, through other different alternative modalities of healing to really start unraveling what was happening. I was married and was super confused about kind of my role, not only as a woman, but as a human being. My work was not very satisfying. It was easy. And I just kind of felt like, eh, what's what's going on? And then the stock market crashed. That was in 1987. I remember my therapist at the time, I was telling her about these dreams and she was... And she's like going, uh, don't you understand? You're being you're being downloaded. You're being downloaded. You need to write this stuff down. And I always practice that anyway, you know, writing my dreams down. And I would I would do these watercolors associated with whatever I was dreaming. So I had this dream journal. So that's what I started doing. I wrote the stuff down. And then together with my therapist, we started piecing together. And it was a handbook, really, about... And it was her interpretation because I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, I was very confused in terms of 
what does this, all this mean? Am I losing it? Am I losing my mind? And so she reassured me that it felt to her that I was being given a set of instructions how to dissolve emotional, energetic, mental traumas, how to consciously change your belief systems and how to consciously change your thoughts, which really are the basis of belief systems. These are practice thoughts. So we did this and I started getting phone calls of very, very strange things where I would get these calls saying, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to hand this person off to you and you have information for them. Now, these were people that were not, they were not new agey, but they were intuitive. They were connected to their intuitions. And so what I started to connect with were survivors of the most egregious sex abuse, what I call trauma-based mind control. These people were subjugated to tremendous abuse, uh, whether it was physical, sexual, emotional, mental. I just started attracting all these people wanting to talk to me. And what it did is that it opened up this whole world of interfacing and handholding, if you will, survivors of the most egregious of human abuses. And before I knew it, I had an international healing practice. And I've been doing this ever since. That's truly amazing. Yeah. You were having dreams about it and people were recommending that others work with you. And in the 80s, you know, I was early teen. I don't even remember people talking about narcissistic abuse. I'm sure, it was, but obviously it was going on. No, that's absolutely what was going on. And I never really heard about it either. However, my therapist, God rest her soul, she was genius in that she would talk about her main thing to me was you need to get the selfish people out of your life. The selfish people who don't care about what it is that you want, what you think, you are at their service and this is not good. And she pointed to certain members of my family. And of course, I'm very loyal. I didn't want to look at it. I didn't mm -hmm. want to, I didn't want to go there. So I maintained these relationships and, and that's part of the whole thing with narcissists, sociopaths and psychopaths is that they require an empath. And mm -hmm. so anyone who is empathic, compassionate, I was basically my mother's therapist. And so all of her complaints, all of her unhappiness, I took that on. And so it would be normal for me to be that listener, to be that safe landing place. And so that was part of my journey is looking at all the ways where I just took it on. And even if I had someplace to go, quite often I would just blow it off because here's this person in need who needs my attention and I'm ready and willing to say yes and give them my full attention. So a narcissist, sociopath, and a psychopath absolutely need an empath. And in addition to needing an empath, they need apaths. 
around them. So the apath. What is an apath? Yeah. uh, The apath is the sort of yes person. Mm -hmm. And uh, quite often they're mesmerized by uh, what I call the NSP, the narcissist, sociopath, and psychopath. They're mesmerized by them. They agree with whatever they, whatever these NSPs are telling them. And they will absolutely turn against you and uh, throw you under the bus Mm-hmm. in honor of the NSP. So so there's this triad of dysfunction that keeps the NSP, you know, really at the apex and in control of the relationship. And when I started noticing this, like I noticed even in the agency that I worked in when I was uh, in the insurance business, I started noticing the hierarchies of everybody running around in fear of the big boss. And I didn't really have a fear of him so much. You know, I would just kind of like watch and observe. But there was this pattern that I started noticing that was within myself from my family of origin that was being translated into the workplace, understanding my own little mechanisms. Because, and that's part of doing the great inner work, as you know, is that you have to be self-reflective And you have Mm -hmm. to kind of check out what you're up to and check out the places where you're not up to things, but you're not able to like take that all the way to the other side by saying, no, no, thank you. I refer to the word no as the lost word of no, because, and especially in new age circles, you know, we're kind of brainwashed a little bit to accept everything is love and yep. light and, and <laughs> it's all so positive and, oh, anger is so negative. And I want to tell these people, wake up, mm-hmm. okay, because anger has a bad rap. Anger is the seed for change. And when you put up with enough crap and you get to your end and you're you're looking at yourself in the mirror really, really frustrated and you start to own it, that bad behavior, that pattern starts to break apart. It doesn't hold any water anymore. It doesn't hold you captive. So these are some of the things that I, on a personal level, started noticing. And when I started owning it, my relationships disintegrated. And it dis- they disintegrated because I realized I had surrounded myself with nothing but narcissists. Where I and was did you notice running that, around. I don't mean to interrupt you, yes. but did you notice that relationships, friendships, family, where did you notice that? I have to say in my personal experience, when I've stood up for myself, I lost friends as well. Yes, yeah. because and you're, you're like, no longer you're no longer at their service. Yep, exactly. You know? So you're okay. either the empath or you're the part of their apath posse where you are so afraid of them. Like right. I, I noticed that with certain certain personality types, you know, where I was just like willing to just suck it up, you know, right. because I was terrified of disagreeing and especially from the San Francisco Bay Area. It's such a politically charged, politically correct scene. And for many, many years, I just wouldn't say anything. You know, I wouldn't tell my friends, look, I'm probably really conservative here. (laughs) And I don't want to hear a free for all. That's not my thing. But Mm -hmm. I was terrified to like really spell that out. And then when I did, like major, major stuff hit the fan. It was not good. Lost 90% 
of my social circle because I realized I wasn't one of them and I wasn't going to kowtow. I wasn't going to settle to agree or pretend that I'm aligning with something that I'm not. And I think that's part of the awakening process is you realize you can't compromise and you can't lie. You can't lie to yourself. You can't align with things that don't feel good, that you don't Mm -hmm. agree with. I realized I needed to be an absolute impeccable authority with myself, which means if I didn't agree with it, it didn't mean I needed to go to war with what I disagreed with. It just meant that I needed to retract my energy and be in alignment with myself and stay in my own lane and not seek the sort of outside validation to feel good about myself. And so that's part of, I think, the great inner work is really coming to terms with your values uh, without making other people wrong. Just right. come to terms with your values. Be steadfast in what you say yes to and having integrity in what you say yes to. And also being steadfast in a flat out no, no thank you. And so what I've discovered about um, all my clients and my students is that they're on that same track too, where they they wake up and realize, I, I don't want to be doing this. This is not for me. This isn't good mm-hmm. for me. This is making me sick. This is and it can literally me- make you sick. Yes, it can literally make you sick. It's rude to wake up to that where you go, oh my God, I have been with this person for 14 years and I'm leaving. I got to go. I don't know where I'm going, but I got to go. I made the choice. I left. These are some of the hard things that we that we need to do. And when we make those choices, I know that in my several relationships, long-term relationships with narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths, the NSPs, I've had to go no contact ever again. And then when I was co-parenting stepkids, it was no eye contact ever again because you have these co-parenting agreements. So there's right. the, the public place handoffs. And this person was very, very charismatic. I would look into his eyes and I would, you know, oh my God, you know, I would <laughs> lose consciousness. Like I, I'm like, going, what is he doing to me? That is so crazy. But it's now, is not this something, is this something that's, NSPs do? Do they have a like a mesmerizing stare? Yes, they're very okay, charming. So talk about they're this a little bit. They're exceedingly charming. And, and part of it, too, is that they know your story. They have been okay. studying you. One of the things that I tell people all the time about NSPs is that you can't reason with them. They're not human. They're not a normal human being. They don't have the empathy. They don't have the compassion. They don't care. You are a means to an end. You are supply whether it's for their egos, their energy, whether you're providing a safe place to to live for free, usually, they don't care about you. So I just started noticing just my own pattern in these relationships where, you know, they're very charismatic, they're extremely attractive. And this is not just in love relationships. Um, Yeah, Yeah. friendships as well. You know, who have business partners that are like these these very charming bullies, but they bring the money in, they get shit done. And then, you know, we don't want to lose that. So there's a very interesting balancing act 
that people have to do, especially when you're running a business with someone or you're co-parenting children with someone like that, or your mom or your dad or your twin sister is someone like that. It is really just such a, it's such a journey to stay present and stay conscious. And sometimes that's dynamic changes where you just have to ghost them. But the ghosting that I'm talking about is just extricating yourself completely from these predators. First of all, before we talk about the techniques to get away, how can someone spot a narcissist, sociopath, psychopath in their life, whether it's a partner, friend, business associate, or family member? Well, I think the first thing is where you feel completely invalidated and okay. enslaved by them, mm-hmm. where whatever you have to say, or, or you don't even have a forum by which to say anything to them. The relationship is entirely focused on them, their needs, their stories, their wants, their troubles, and you are just there. You're there to be their therapist. You're there to be their shoulder. It's a one-way relationship. That's one of the ways. In fact, that's probably the main way. And there's also levels of these abusive tendencies where I hear all the time that these NSPs constantly put them down. So it, it, it's a very invalidating relationship where you're all about validating them, but they can't be bothered to give you two seconds of their precious time because they're doing things that are much more important than you could ever possibly imagine. So there's this very, it's very disrespectful, okay? The other thing too to consider is how you feel interacting with them. And there's, there's an energy drain. There's an energy drop where you don't feel fulfilled. You feel like you're going to pass out. There's an anxiety and a kind of, would you just feel listless, you know, okay. like your power isn't your own and mm-hmm. you're just being, you can feel the energy being sucked out of you when you're with these people, but you're so helpless. You can't do anything about it. You know, and then you blame yourself. You're blaming yourself. And quite often they're blaming you that you're not doing it right. You're not giving them enough after all they've done for you, whatever that means. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I used to hear that a lot from the ex. I call him psycho boy as as a playful (laughs) thing, you know, and and he was self-proclaimed like he would actually call himself that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. No, it was pretty frightening. He related to it. He, he saw it as kind of, you know, the persona, like really proud of it, actually, almost to, to the point where I would sit there and just kind of like marvel and think to myself, oh, dear God, get me out of here. You know, there's a child involved. It's not so simple. It isn't black and white. There's a process, I think, of letting go little by little, little by little. And as you let go little by little, It's like you're building up your esteem to feel more aligned, more powerful. So it was a very systematic process for me on a personal level. And then there was the straw that broke the camel's back where my ex was a charmer and he scammed women and apparently had a history of scamming women over the course of 20 years. So I was not the only one. 
And when I researched this, it, it just gets to the point where you're, you have the evidence in front of you and you're like going, holy moly. And I started seeking support and I started meeting more and more and more and more women, professional women. These are professional women from all walks of life. Uh, some of them are just regular people. But what we have in common is number one, we're independent. Okay. Number two, we have our own homes. Mm-hmm. Number three, especially for the professional women, we're out in public. We've got websites, we have forums, we're doing talks, speaking engagements, we have books. So in with the advent of social media and the internets, all of our information is out there. Anybody in any part of the world can connect with you. They can study you. Mm-hmm. They can watch your videos. They can read your books. Right. They can be on your teleseminars, even though it's women's only. They can pretend because you don't know. Yes. And then what these NSPs do is they study you and they find a weakness and they capitalize on it. And of course, you know, my weakness is children. It was so unbelievable when the evidence was so stacked. And then I think the straw that broke the camel's back for me was... I came back and this was, I'd already started making my plans to leave, but I needed to do it in a manner that was going to be very seamless. I'm a planner, you know, so once I decide, oh, it's on, there's no, there's no doubt about it. But what I didn't know, I didn't know the depths to which the uh, purposeful deception was on. And so I came home. After being with a wonderful woman friend, and I felt renewed, and we were talking about the poet David White. I was listening to one of his presentations, and uh, there was one thing that he kept saying that I kept thinking about over and over again and hearing his voice. It was, turn sideways into the light. And so as I was approaching the top floor landing of my home, I hear I hear him speaking and he's faking an Eastern European accent. I'm not kidding you. It's obvious that he's talking to a woman and he's talking about how he doesn't have any money for this flight. And I'm just sitting there. The sun's going down. I'm thinking, turn sideways into the light. I remember feeling the, the setting sun on my face. And that's when I got it. It's like, I'm getting up. So I got up and I stormed into my office (laughs) and he's talking to this woman on the landline. And I said, yo, just to let you know, he doesn't have an Eastern European accent. And he was so shocked. But this is how big an NSP he is. Wow. He starts screaming at me and tells me how rude I am to interrupt his private phone call. Oh, my goodness. It's always about them. I started laughing. It was so unbelievable. And it was just kind of an amazing moment in time because you realize there's no going back. Mm -hmm. There's no redemption here. You need to get out. So that was the moment where, yeah, that's it. There's no doubt here, you know. And so it started the unraveling of it. You talk about... And I've heard this time and time again from other authors who've 
self-published a book or have some kind of writing out in public, whether it's an article, that whatever it is that you put out there, you're going to live it down. You will live it down no matter what kind of platform you're on. And certainly that's what happened because the unraveling of that, my entire life in the Bay Area disintegrated. It burned to the ground. Every false notion, every false agent that was in my life was outed and outed so plainly where I was like, wow, all righty then. Did you find that they were the apaths to him as well? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I found out all the stuff about my community, about my friends, about what was going on behind my back. And it was ugly. I won't get into the details. It was just devastating. I felt gutted. I felt betrayed. And then I was blamed that I worked all the time. (laughs) It's like, hmm, interesting, interesting. And, you know, to my credit, I did not take that on. You know, it's like, yeah, okay. You know, because you can't talk to a psycho like a normal human being. You can't. Right. And don't, isn't it true that they feed off your emotions or any reaction? Absolutely. That you get? Absolutely. Okay. And I, I, I was in deep realization of that. And I just can remember just taking my energy back and surrounding myself in this, in this grid of electric violet light and really engaging a lot of the healing modalities and tools in one fell swoop. And really feeling, I I was feeling defiant. I was enraged. I was defiant. And I also had these very, very, very devastating moments of this immense grief and this betrayal that, and here it is, it's like five years down the line, I'm feeling much better. I'm feeling like I've actually turned a corner. And, And part of it, I think for me, is that, I found the support of so many different online groups filled with men and women because men have this happen to them Mm -hmm. too. You know, there's a whole, whole community of men who are recovering from gold diggers, the sort of female NSPs known as the gold diggers. And, and so that's usually what the female version is. The scam, the scam artists, you know? Okay. So I was absolutely so relieved to find out that this is just so prevalent, you know, because you've got all the online dating sites. And so there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on, the sort of sweetheart scams and operations that are all over the world that target, you know, target women, women and men looking for looking for the one. So that can be really a portal for a lot of this abuse through the NSPs, because like I said, they require the empath. So they listen to your stories as if they're really interested. Only the only thing they're doing really is just mining you for information, a way in. And so we need to be really mindful. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. If you're getting love bombed with the I love you's mm-hmm. and you barely know this person or you've never met them, run, run the right. other way, block them. You can't believe that. If they start telling you all the stuff that they're going to do for you, run. You know, I mean, it's just basic boundaries and basic mindfulness of 
really kind of paying attention to the sort of flattery that goes on because that's one that's of the, the ways. love bombing stage, yes. right? Because yeah. there's love bombing and then you get devalued and discarded because I've had other people on the podcast talking about this. And isn't the most dangerous part the love bombing stage? I would have to say that is a very dangerous place, especially if they're local to you, especially if they know where you live. Because I hear from so many women just the sort of folly of meeting someone online and then right away, you know, it's like when we don't tend to our needs or that our needs for validation or to know that we're still attractive overrides the sort of the warnings that go off saying, you know, you really should vet this person. We need to like take this slow. But a lot of the times during the love bombing, and that's their goal. Their goal is to love bomb you so much so you give them your security code so they can get in your house while you're not there and make wow. you dinner. I've heard women tell me that they've done this and I, I'm I'm like, whoa, wow. okay. I've heard men do this too. So yeah. we need to like notice the longings within us because that's part of what the NSPs do when they're listening to our stories. They're looking for those kernels of longing and yearning and and wanting and and just pining for that because they're very, very clever. They will package themselves up as the thing, the, the one that you need in your life so that you can feel better about yourself. So many of us are just so desperate for that. And right. I've been there. I've we been all there. Have. I mean, not to that extent, but but yeah, actually to that extent, you know, I spent 10 years with this person. So you think you know who these people are, but you know, when you realize after it's all said and done that not one word of it was true, part of the devastation for me was really just this unreality where it really takes down your sense of not just clarity, but your sense of safety where you start, you second guess yourself. It's like, oh my God, how could I not know? This person was in my house. This person was in the same bed for years. And you just go through this really gut-wrenching, soul-searching journey of what the actual F happened here. And you relive it over and over and over and over and over again. So with these groups that I was a part of, these forums, it was really, really helpful and relieving to know I wasn't the only one. And it's not that you're stupid. It's not that at all. It's that these people, these these robots, these viruses, whatever you want to call them, (laughs) these NSPs, they are really masters of manipulation. They know exactly what they're doing. They are that good. And it is, it's absolutely criminal. It is. And now how can people get out? You know, you're a trauma deactivator, first of all, to get away and then to heal. And I also want to ask about the online communities as well that you mentioned. Well, so I think the main thing is you have to want 
to get out. You have to want it. And you have to want it so bad that you are willing, 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 willing to give up any creature comforts that you fall back on. And that's what I had to do. I had to move to another country where I didn't know anybody. And that's what I had to do. And it's one of those things where you have to ghost your old life in its entirety. If you have children involved, then you have to figure out a way to not lose power, which I recommend no eye contact ever again. However, however, I do know of many, many people where that was not their strategy, where it was the opposite, where they were able to muster enough personal power, enough wherewithal to give the stare down, to have direct eye contact because their pattern in the dysfunction of the relationship previously before their rude awakening was to back down and not look the predator in the eye because it was way too intimidating. It's not a one size fits all kind of thing. You have to like really navigate your own journey. And in terms of the online uh, support, basically what I did was I just Googled. I Googled support for sociopathic, psychopathic abuse. And all these things came up and you have to vet them because there's a lot of different, different forums. There were numerous Facebook groups that were, that were really, really quite helpful and many different books, which I found were helpful. So the books that I found most helpful were surprisingly not books that were written by psychologists and therapists, but just written by normal people, regular people telling their story, which I think is like superb. I also have, there's a couple of books by one of my good friends. He's an Irish man. His name is Tomasz Sheridan. And he's got two books. One of them, uh, just off the top of my head, is called Puzzling People. I highly recommend that book. Highly okay. recommend that book. Puzzling, Puzzling People. People. So, so good. And I would have to say that I got the most out of that book in particular because he just lays it out. He lays it out in uh, no holds barred. No stone is unturned in that book. And he's a researcher. And just a really a wonderful book that really lays out the psychopathy of it all. And I would read little bits and pieces of it and just kind of go, oh, my God. Wow. So these are just important resources and they're out there. The power of the Google is <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. is it's here. Utilize it to your advantage. Why not? Absolutely. And, now, and what about the work you do to help? people deactivate the trauma? The work that I do is, well, it, it involves quite a number of things. So in my work of trauma deactivation, this is all not just about doing the, the sort of uh, mental work and looking at your beliefs and looking at your thoughts. This is about looking at your tribal programming because okay. your family of origin is your first interface to the relationships between the masculine and feminine, men and women, whether you're in a straight, bi, gay relationship, it doesn't matter. 
but okay. the components of the masculine and feminine are really, really important for you to understand so that you know where your pitfalls are. Okay. So that's one of the things. The other thing too, is being able to do the energy work and the energy work is really, really important because you can't make changes if your energy field, particularly the outer reaches of your field, your auric field is filled with entities, whether they're from your family, whether they're from the NSP who's been hopped up on drugs and alcohol and God knows what else, okay? These clearings are total. And when people dump on you, you don't even know you're getting dumped on, you're carrying that shit all over the place with you. And what do you do? You attract more of it. So the energy work is really, really important. And you have to like really start being honest about your resistance to sensation, your resistance to feeling, your resistance to being, because we have all these default practices, which often are the default practices that get us into these dysfunctional, codependent, horrifying relationships to begin with, because we're not able to really face ourselves. Part of what I call new age BS is that whole notion that once you're spiritually awakened, which to me is just the realization of who and what you are as infinite loving awareness and consciousness, having a human experience, that's the awakening. It doesn't make us special. But so in new age BS, once you're awakened, you're going to have the perfect life and the perfect health, (laughs) the perfect body, the perfect butt, and everything's going to be great, perfect money. It's nonsense. It's Mm -hmm. nonsense. Being awake simply does not give you a pass to specialness. You realize that, you know, life is going to happen, like it or Mm -hmm. not. The ups and downs of human experience are everything you can think of and beyond and in between. So nobody gets a pass. We're going to have challenges. We're going to have bad days. And we need to be mindful about how it is that we're running our energy and really choosing at any given moment to choose yourself, choose your life, be here on purpose. I know with all of the hooplas about what's going on in the world, this, that, and the other thing, you have to be mindful about how much of that you're going to take in. And it's not Mm -hmm. to be willfully ignorant about things. It's about really monitoring your energy monitoring what makes you feel good. If you start to feel your energy go down to consciously put a stop to it, end it. Whether that means you turn off the TV, you turn off the radio, you switch to another YouTube channel, whatever it is, or you just turn it off because of this online community that we're in and because of all the EMF fields and all that kind of stuff, I recommend turn off your Wi-Fi at the end of the day. Don't have it going on 24-7. You don't need to be bombarded by that energy. Give your body, your energy body, a break from what I call the ongoing yeah, yeah, gaga, zaza of all of this input. You know, we have so much information. We misinformation as well. Absolutely, so many opinions. And you have to be mindful about the information that you take in. I always tell people, don't believe everything I say. Take it with a grain of salt. Investigate it, because what's real for you is what matters. You know, I want to encourage everyone to feel good about their lives, honor their innate gifts, their creativity, what they've already created, you know, their friends, their families, 
and to choose happiness. And I, I know things are really, really tough right now. They're really challenging. There's just like all this negativity from everywhere coming at you. And you have control over that. One question. Do you find that the NSPs are very prevalent online or they, they use it to their advantage? You know, anybody can make up a name. Anybody could put a profile photo up there. It may not even be them. They can create other accounts to troll you. So it's very One of the things that I did with the ex is that I, well, actually it was my assistant that did it. We unfriended and blocked probably over 2,500 connections that were possibly in common. If there was any kind of community, I just ghosted it. It was it. It was over. And I'm mindful about who's following, who's following me. The keeping a tidy house, whether it's your own house or whether it's on your computer or your phone or social media, I think that's really important. If you feel like it's weird, it it is weird. Don't give it one nanosecond of your attention other than delete, block, you know, the block feature. I highly recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) I've been there. Yes. So if there's something that's draining your energy or you feel it's weird, it seems like they can prey on you online. Yeah. Yeah. Then get rid of it. Yeah. Delete it. One of the things that we do is we'll bypass these red flags, these warning signs, and, and like, oh, oh, nah, nah, only to find out that that was, you know, I, I quite often wondered, what would have happened if I had just, you know, dropped the kibosh on that one, you know, but he was one of my greatest teachers, one of my greatest teachers, and I thank him for that. And there it is, you know, so don't have regrets about it. And to see that, okay, this is a lesson and this is a powerful lesson for me to embody so that I can disseminate the information to help other men and women. We're going to sign off in a little bit, but I wanted to talk about your book and your YouTube. Well, so the book, it's going through another metamorphosis. I'm in the process right now of completing the third edition that I'm going to be uploading onto lulu.com. I'm going to be extricating myself from publishers and, and Amazon and all these other corporate things. I've not had a very happy, (laughs) a a happy experience. I'm self-funded. So everything that I do, I'm funding everything. I'm financing it all. So book two and three are going to be coming out as well because my the series is a three book series. My new YouTube channel is called Love, Truth and Beauty. And I call it Do It Yourself or Divine in the Flesh. So I talk a lot about relationships, the masculine and feminine, energy healing, and the NSPs. I also talk about plants. I talk about beauty. I talk about creating a beautiful balance in your life so that we're not just focused in on healing ourselves and becoming conscious because part of being an awakened human being is to enjoy, enjoy the fruits of your labor, enjoy your family, enjoy your environment, enjoy beauty. I'm actually having a good time with it. 
where people can connect with me and and bits of my work. So I endeavor to share a lot of content, but I endeavor to do it with humor, with the greatest of intention to just really help help people in this navigation of everyday life. Well, good for you. And so you can find that on YouTube, Love, Truth, and Beauty. Yeah. Wonderful. And I've checked it out. I highly recommend that your videos and people can also work one-on-one with you. Yeah. So if you go to my my website, mariawest.com, there's a work with me landing and you can click on that. And there's, there's different ways that you can connect with me. And then I also have a free gift if you opt in. And it's my training on the nature of reality, outing the perception managed reality that we think is real, but is so limited, limits our seven senses to five. And so you learn about the seven senses and, and how you can start living your life from that fullness. Nice. And your website, it's Mario West. So it's M-A-R-J-A-W-E-S-T.com. If you scroll down on that landing page, you'll have all of my Instagram on there too. So you can find me on Instagram at dakini.kiss. I uh, have a lot of these posts about NSPs and what you can do. And some of it is fun. Some of it is, you know, I don't mince words. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Maria, on the podcast. I know this is going to help a lot of people. And I can direct people to your website or your Instagram if they have questions. Thank you. And thank you for your amazing work. I love your podcasts and I love what you have on your Instagram. And it is so needed. You are so needed. So I really honor you and I honor what your content is doing. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. That's just really kind. You're welcome. Well, have a good rest of the day. Susan, you remember the time we were in Orange County? We were driving around and we got lost. And we ran into this place called Avila's El Ranchito. You remember the place? The place had awesome decor and authentic margaritas. Did you know that Avila's El Ranchito has been around since 1966? They have 13 locations throughout Orange County. Visit Salvador Avila's location in Lake Forest and Foothill Ranch for great food, ambiance, and specialty margaritas. Thank you for listening to A Teaspoon of Healing with Dawn Damari, your home for wellness and vibrant living. For more resources on wellness and vibrant living, visit us online at teaspoonofhealing.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein.